there. Hope everyone's having a great day today. So today we're going to be talking about Greythorn by Crystal Smith. This is a sequel to Bloodleaf and it follows, it pretty much picks up um, almost where the last book ends, but some time has passed, you know, a few months. And a lot has changed, let me tell you. Uh, I have to say, my biggest issue with the first novel was that I don't really think we as readers got to see a lot of growth from Aurelia, but Crystal Smith, you know, she definitely changes that in this novel. Eurelia, Princess Eurelia, she has so much growth in this novel because she has to reconcile everything that happened in the first book. You know, she has to sort of come to terms with her mother's death, um, with her own frailty, with the fact that, you know, her kingdom is pretty much on the verge of a civil war and then they're also helping you know um Zan's kingdom as well from you know Prince Valentine's kingdom it's pretty much crumbled because the the wall the magic they were unsuccessful at stopping that event from occurring so his people are now refugees you know they're moving around and you really actually wants to help them because it's the right thing to do you know these people didn't do anything but there's a lot of unrest in her kingdom as well you know first they have to sort of feed their own mouths and now they don't know if they can feed these other mouths so there's a lot of animosity um a lot of alienation between her and her people there is this wall there and she has to contend with all that and the fact that her kingdom as well they are still sort of ruled by the tribunal you know the tribunal is still there they still have an iron fist they are still controlling things much to her you know dislike they want her head basically because she is a blood witch but it's more than that there's another underlying story here and i think it's really cool how smith sort of develops that underlying story with um arsenault she is i think she's a very good villain there are a lot of things that make her very similar to the previous novel's villain but there are a lot of differences as well. You know, yes, she is kind of diluted. Um, she ages very slowly, and I think it's really cool and really clever how we del- we learn why she ages very slowly. You know, she looks like she's like 20, 30 years old when she's actually twice that age. There's a lot of magic at play here. And because of that, she has such a hatred of magic you know she considers it sort of a a curse um because she had a very rough upbringing and her looks well you know being looking very young into the right kind of man will get her got her father a really good price so she has a very dark past she has a very dark origin story uh, but there is way more to it than that and I thought it was very clever I thought it was very interesting to see how Smith developed the storyline with Arsenault to make her a very good villain um, with a very dark past you know 
there's very little that's actually redeemable about her. Uh, in fact, I don't think there's anything redeemable about her. She is a very cruel, cold-hearted person. But she's very calculating. She's very smart. She sets traps within traps. So that makes her a better villain than in the first novel. You know, uh, I forgot what his name was, but he was so determined to let the Malefica free because he was deluded by by love. This one, this Arsnu is deluded by power. You know, there is a difference here that separates them as far as villains go. And I like how Smith spends more time in this novel developing the villain. You know, in the previous novel, the villain was just the bad guy. You know, you have to think the previous novel was sort of labeled as a retelling of Goose Girl. You don't really get to see the villain. You know, you know he's evil uh, because of some of the things that they do, but you really don't get into his psyche or his narrative. Smith does that differently in this novel. She allows the reader to get to know the villain internally. You know, we get to see their point of view. We get to see their narrative. So there's more depth to the villainess in this novel than there was in the previous novel. And that makes the novel better. You know, because now we're seeing something else outside of her point of view, outside of Princess Eurelia's point of view. And it adds more to the story. You know, it adds a lot of mystery, adds a lot of intrigue, and it totally builds up to a lot of interesting plot twists in the story. Because there's a lot of magic as well. Um, and that's something else that I thought was interesting. Feral magic was sort of just briefly, briefly touched upon in Bloodleaf. But now you really get to see feral magic and how different it is from Euralia's blood magic. You know, you're, we're so familiar with Euralia's blood magic at this point. Uh, we know how it works. But to see this feral magic, it's completely opposite hers in a way. I thought it adds another element of history to this novel and it does you know the novel is titled Greythorn so you're learning about the mysteries of Greythorn of Greythorn Hall of the mysteries of feral magic of this balance between life and death and I thought it was executed very well I have to say I really did enjoy this novel more than the previous novel because I feel like there's more development you know Smith did a good job with the world building in the in the first novel. You know, she did a good job laying down a foundation of history uh, in the first novel to ground the reader in the story. Uh, I'm not going to dispute that, but I think in this novel, now that she's sort of not restricted by just telling you really a story and she's expanding her scope as far as narratives go and as far as magic goes, she's really developing something quite wonderful. It's very action-packed. It's very tension-driven. It's moving forward and forward you know, dynamic shift in this novel, they become more complicated. Uh, relationships become more complicated. These characters, in the end, become more complicated. And Eurelia, for the better, grows. You know, she becomes such a good... Okay, that's that's the wrong word choice. <laughs> she becomes a better character because you really get to see all her heartbreak and you get to you get to see how worn out she is. You know, Smith does a really good job showing the reader just how exhausted she is with subtle descriptions, with her tone, with how she just addresses all her sighs and 
how she just sort of expresses her frustrations and her tiredness. And it's really affecting her character. You know, she's so driven to resolve the events of the first novel because it was left unresolved and it was really interesting to see how it was resolved in this novel. And it really did open a door for a third novel. But, I mean, it was just, it was richer. You know, Aurelia's personality was richer. She's more memorable in this novel. She goes through a journey in this novel. She's discovering more about everything, you know, her past, her history. And I loved the magic in it as well. This exploration of magic leads to creating a lot of tension. It leads to creating a really strong pace. And it leads to allowing the characters to grow exponentially, not just Aurelia, but the characters around her as well. I will say um, near the ending of the novel, where the pace is like really increasing, you're just kind of glued to it. I think I would have liked it a little bit more if the detailing had been stronger. Um, it seems like the energy is there. Smith's energy is there. There's no doubt about that. But I think she was so stuck in her energy of writing the story and the excitement of capturing these scenes that tie to various moments in the novel. I think uh, maybe she let her excitement get away with her a little, t a little bit. And there are some details because she's shifting a lot through the scenes. She's going through these scenes very quickly and very briefly, you know, and I don't want to spoil anything as to why this is happening because it's such a great adventure at the end. It's such a high stakes, high tension, magical thing that's happening. I really loved it. I just wish there had been a little bit more detail to ground me into it. So I didn't feel, cause I did feel a little lost, you know, maybe I was just reading it too fast because like I said, it's full of a lot of it's full of a lot of excitement. You can feel Smith's excitement with this ending. And I was really excited when I was reading it. So maybe I was just reading it too fast. So I think I need to go back and read it a little slower. It's just the pacing of it. You know, this is like that climatic moment. You know, the pacing of it is so incredible. It's just going faster and faster and faster and faster. And you're just reading it faster and faster and faster and faster. Maybe just a couple words here or there to slow it down just a little bit so that we're not completely lost in the scenery changes because there are a lot of scene changes near the end. I think that would have been better overall. But, you know, in any case, I I really did enjoy the novel. I thought it finally did what the first novel failed to do was really build up Aurelia's character uh, give her some more flaws and allow her to grow as a character. You know, she's been through so much. And in the first novel, she hadn't really been through that much. You know, but now she has. Now she's she's been through so much from the first novel, from the events that happened between the first novel and this novel, that it's sort of weighing on her. There's so much weighing on her, and you get to see it through her actions, through her tone, to her through her narrative, you know, you really get to see her change as a person. I like that. I appreciate that so much because now she's memorable. 
you know, she is now a memorable character. And I didn't think she was that memorable at the end of Bloodleaf. Even though I liked Bloodleaf, I didn't think she was that memorable as a, as a main protagonist. And I do like that Smith expanded the scope and really allowed the reader to get to know the villain a little bit more. Because we don't really get to know the villain in the first novel. And I personally like to know my villains. Um occasionally like sometimes I understand like you know the villain's not I don't always know the villain origin story you know but I do like to get inside the heads of the villain um I think villain minds are really interesting because they're so complex they have such a warped sense of right and wrong and I like to see that and I really think it's cool that Smith was able to explore that in this novel So, overall, you know, I have to give Greythorn four stars, you know? Almost four and a half. Uh, You know, I really did like it. I just wish that ending had been a little more solidified um, as far as Dean's channeling is concerned. But, you know what? I still think it was a great novel. It was a great sequel. It was definitely, I think, superior to Bloodleaf. Not saying Bloodleaf. Again, I did enjoy Bloodleaf. I just enjoyed Greythorn way more than Bloodleaf. So, Greythorn by Crystal Smith, the second novel in the Bloodleaf series. Check it out. Purchase it on bookshop.org. I highly recommend bookshop.org because a percentage of all proceeds goes to supporting local booksellers. You can even select what bookstore you would want your proceeds to go to. You can do it. It's really great. And it'll show you before you even check out how much of your purchase is going to go to that bookstore. Um, to the bookstore that you've selected or to various bookstores in your area. If money is too tight, which I know for a lot of us it is, go ahead and check out the book from your local library. Uh, libraries are a great resource. They offer ebooks, they offer physical books. Uh, I know a lot of libraries are doing curbside pickup, so you can pick up, you can reserve it online. They'll email you when it's ready. You drive by, pick it up, and then you're on your way home. You know, libraries are a great resource for the community and I think they deserve our support and please do not forget to support me by liking this and subscribing to my channel you can also become an anchor supporter which is where I record these on anchor.com there is a link in the description to become a supporter for only 99 cents a month you can help me out by helping improve since workshop podcast because there's so much that I would love to do with it. I hope you all have a great rest of your day and as always, happy reading!